0: You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network.
1: Hello and welcome to the Break a Bat podcast where baseball meets Broadway, an attempt to show that my two favorite mediums don't have to live in such separate worlds and maybe even break some stigmas. We're happy to have you with us. Now let's play ball. Hello, and welcome to Break a Bad. I'm your host, Al Malafronte, coming at you for the Broadway Podcast Network. Uh, this one's a special show for me, as today we're lucky enough to be joined by probably one of my favorite people in show business. Uh, he originally made a name for himself as the host of The Soup on E!, he then went on to star in Community, uh, and he's currently the host of ABC's Card Sharks. The second season of the show's revival is set to premiere on Sunday, October 18th. And in addition to everything he's accomplished on screen, he's also a tremendous sports fan with a particular love for his hometown Seattle Mariners. As he nods his head along to that, so it's a real honor to have him join us tonight. With that being said, if you'll please turn your attention to home plate, just beyond the marquee, now batting Joel McHale. Welcome to break a bat.
0: Great to be here on deck. It's a very weird back. It's a very weird baseball field, Ron.
1: <laughs> i mean you've been so busy man but i see you know i guess la's rubbed off on you a little bit because you have like one of those uh makeshift laker shirts going on you jumped on the la sports bandwagon i see yep.
0: just a couple days ago i got on the bandwagon i decided it was okay uh well i was celebrate. i've been the last few days celebrating the comfort behind seahawks incredible victory on sunday and then of course the storm seattle storm won the championship uh last week and then i was like do i wear I, don't, I didn't have like a lakers scarf and so i just decided to find some yellow tape and i, I should have used some purple tape too so it was it was uh yes it was a great sport week for me
1: and you've been pretty busy throughout this whole pandemic. I mean, between the Tiger King special, you launched your own podcast, and you know you have the second season of Car Sharks coming up. I mean, I mm-hmm. gotta give you props, man. It's nice that you've been able to stay so busy. I'm sure we're all certainly grateful for it.
0: Oh, well, that's not true. But um, <laughs> no, I yeah, no, I am a um workaholic, obsessive, compulsive person who has ADHD and cannot sit still. And uh i i usually go into like extreme anxiety when i'm on vacation so uh this so yeah i i my whole thing was that well all the a-list celebrities are gonna use this as a vacation and the d-lists um we will step in and grab some of the attention
1: you say d-list come on you're not giving yourself enough credit man d plus (laughs) so let me ask you i mean you've been in the industry for like 25 years now you're as great as they come as far as hosts go was it challenging to shoot card sharks during the pandemic
0: uh well it shut down uh we were supposed to shoot it in february and that's when shit got real and uh we literally had it we literally like day before stopped and that was um, you know, frustrating, but necessary. Um, and then we were one of the first shows to come back, which was really cool. And, um, we had, all, so it was the, we had all these, these, zo- and now it's kind of just, it's now industry practice, but back in July, uh, I don't know who came up with it, but there were all these zones. People weren't allowed to travel in and out. And we had a positive test, a COVID test. We thought, um, it turned out to be, Uh, It was inconclusive, and then it was a negative, but at the time, it was like, oh, shit, we have a positive test on set, and Fremantle, the production company, was, uh, they had already, you know, they they were like, we're not going to shut down. We're going to figure out how to deal with it, and this is, there was a great plan, and it worked. They had the whole zone removed. They brought in the news, uh, like the, the, I don't know what you would call it, the next squad uh, to replace them. They got contact traced, and they found out it was a negative, but at the time, so we were. It was like a three-hour delay, and then we were shooting again.
1: Now, during the first season, you said how much joy it brings you to see folks win big money like that. Was it even more gratifying this season, given the times we're in?
0: We ch- yeah, well, also the rules slightly changed, uh, so it's a little bit easier to win more money. And uh, then with the people started winning so much more money that ABC was like what's going on? And, uh, they, yeah, I don't know how happy they were, but it made, they made a lot of people really happy. And, uh, yeah, it's, I don't, you know, like I don't have emotions anymore. I barely get excited about anything, but, um, when people are winning that kind of money, you can win up to $700,000. People's lives are being changed. It's pretty incredible. And then the heartbreaking, like there was some, Dude, he lost out on hundreds of thousands, of, just a turn of a card, and it was so, I felt so bad for him. Uh, and then I, you know, was like, all right, get the fuck out. No, I didn't. <laughs> but it, it was, yeah, no, it, I really do. It's such a simple game in the best way. It's just turning cards over, and the money just gets higher and higher if you don't screw it up, or if it, if the cards fall in your favor so uh yeah it's very simple but the stakes get really bananas
1: now the guy who lost out on all that money it wasn't sort of like a have you ever seen like with deal or no deal where these people have the opportunity to walk away with six figures they yell no deal they lose all their money and they're still dancing with like the fifty dollars that they walk away with not was it kind of like that situation
0: (laughs) no that guy walked away with nothing Uh. Uh, that, but yeah, there is an option like you can double, you know, you keep doubling your money and, um, there is there is an option at one point to leave and a couple people did that, but that's not as fun as take you know, risking it, but I understand. Uh, so they, yeah. So a couple people did opt out, but it's fun. They with the, it's funny to see people like they're on TV, they're gambling. And a lot of people are like. It. Let's do it,
1: and uh, it's great. Uh, it's awesome. I, I think you did such a great job in the first season, and I can't wait for Sunday. Um, I mentioned in the intro, by the way, that you're a big Mariners fan, and I got to give you props. You know, uh, or I got to give the Mariners props. They certainly performed a lot better than people expected this year. But this year actually marks the 25th anniversary of the team that saved baseball in Seattle. And you know, when you look back on it now, you know Edgar Martinez and Griffey and Randy Johnson. What's the lasting memory for you?
0: Well, you know the famous one on, in the kingdom when they made it when they when you know ex- went further in the playoffs and they they all tackled uh, and uh, each other and Griffey was on the bottom smiling and um, the city was going bananas and because the Mariners had always they didn't you know like they just a few seasons later after we lost Rodriguez and Griffey and Johnson we won 116 games I think that was 2000. And um, and then we of course got knocked out. But I w- Seattle has always been um, there. Th- I grew up in the Seattle before Microsoft, Starbucks, and Amazon. And uh, and it was when we had when well, we actually had a professional basketball team. And our city was kind of this backwater, and it was you know like big bands just would go from San Francisco to Vancouver and skip us. Uh, so we always were scrappy, and we always. Bought and our team, the only championship team we had was the Sonics in seventy nine eighty, and they got sold. Thanks, Howard Schultz, and uh, and um, so we always we always kind of felt like the stepchild of our professional sports teams because we weren't that good. We got close in the eighties with Dave Craig's Seahawks. I think we got one game away from the um, Super Bowl, but. Um, people, you know, like East coast sports gets all the attention always. And so no one paid attention to Seattle. And then when teams started doing well, it was so exciting. And the city, it's the best, I think it's the one of the, I mean, I love LA. I really do. And they love their teams and that's really cool. And I feel bad for the chargers. Uh, so, uh, but, um, you know, Seattle really, I mean, our MLS games sell out all of them. Uh, when you could have an audience. So, um, so yeah, I just, I have a lot, I'm really happy about hockey. The name Kraken is problematic because it's how our, my friends and I would always say we are about to go take a dump by releasing the Kraken. Uh, but you know, so anyway, it's a very long explanation. And, um, it really, you know, I love that city. I haven't lived there in 20 years, but I love it. And I go back all the time. We, we used to go back all the time. Uh, but I, you know, it's a very long explanation to say that Seattle, is yeah, should have a basketball team greatest sports town and uh when i hear people from boston and new york say they're the greatest sports town I'm just like whatever
1: <laughs> now do you hate the new york teams you know it's like the yankees and mets or the jets and giants cuz i know you love football too like is there you know cuz in boston uh, you can't mention the yankees in you know in in certain parts of california you know if you're up north you can't mention the dodgers if you know you're around giants fans so is there hatred for the yankees i know, is that- I know
0: about the dodgers but all those other teams you just
1: mentioned i've never heard of what cities <laughs> are they in <laughs> <laughs> who are the new the the flushing mets i think they're called don't even know who you're talking about uh no uh boy
0: no i hate all other sports teams of course uh except for the ones that i love and uh no it's funny i don't i don't i I, I did go to a Yankees game in the late 90s and I wore a Mariners hat. They were playing the Mariners and uh that was my first experience with uh, I was like, "Oh, these are New York fans." Now I now I understand. Uh and yeah, I boy, I, I I I don't it's so cool that we live in a country where we can, you know, root for teams we love. That's cool and I love that. And you know like when Tom Brady was dominating with the Patriots, people are like, I hate the Patriots, and I was like, you hate them because they're they're terrific, and Tom Brady has ice water flowing through his veins, and so whenever whenever people are like, don't you hate them? I'm like, I don't really hate them. I'm glad we're all. Po-. I hate it when guys get injured in, during games that are doing well, and then the other team wins. That's why I'm just like, well, you got the win, but it's not as cool because the guy who was kicking your ass is out. So, um, so yeah. So anyway, I. In conclusion, I I watch a lot of sports. Uh, I love the bubble. The basketball was great. I mean, it was yeah. So I it sports has been a great way way to distract for the pandemic. Uh, so I, I don't know about college football coming back, but you know, hopefully, no one gets no one's getting paid there. This, the guys don't get paid, and they're like, we oh, don't get COVID. But good luck. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I that that's my yeah. I, I can talk about this all day long. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I know you're such a big fan, so I have to ask you. I know you've accomplished a lot in your career, but a few years ago, the Mariners asked you to throw out the first pitch. How much pressure are you feeling going to the stadium that day?
0: Well, I've done it twice for them. Ah, uh, yeah. How do you like that? Uh, That's a big deal. A lot of pre- you do. It is pretty freaking nerve wracking. Um, I was a baseball pitcher in uh junior high and one year of high school uh or I was on the team so I can huck it pretty hard um remember Keith Olbermann the sure. uh he said yeah so Keith Olbermann taught me he was like here's how you throw you know in these situations he goes just aim it about three feet above the catcher's head because you're on the mound and you don't want to be that guy that's in front of the mound uh you can if you're a kid or somebody who doesn't want to throw anything but um but he was right. And so I've done that every time. And only one of my first pitches has gone awry. And that was at a White Sox game because I threw it harder. I was like, I'm going to freaking throw this thing. And it was not a great throw. Uh, but at, so it, I've been very lucky in that when you aim about, I was I'm just staring three feet above their head. And that thing just freaking sinks in there. And so I got very lucky. I've been very lucky. So, But yes, the pressure is ridiculous and and you when you stand on that mound you're like oh what a dream it would be to be a major league baseball player
1: you see Fauci's first uh first pitch that was really bad <laughs> I was gonna say he couldn't do worse than that but he's obviously got some uh pretty big fish to fry right now um,
0: yeah. yeah if that's yeah I, I know that Trump made fun of him I'm guaranteed Trump could not probably get it across the plate so i I don't even care what your political affiliation is but uh, you can't you can't make fun of a thing that
1: you can't do too right absolutely now uh you mentioned your athletic background and i know in the past you've spoken a little bit about uh how school was a little bit of a struggle for you when it came to the academics but you were a top-notch athlete was there something about sports that you know made you find solace or provided some sort of distraction while you were growing up and I mean, because obviously you really crushed it. You went on to University of Washington and played football there.
0: Well, I was a walk-on, so I wasn't like you know I wasn't recruited. I didn't play football in high school, so other than one year, so that was kind of it was a very strange, convoluted way for me to get on the team. But um, I yeah no, I love sports. Us, I love playing them, and I think. Yeah, being dyslexic and you know, like undiagnosed and ADHD and distracted and terrible grades and terrible speller. Uh, sports was a thing I could do. And I I would do I mean I would play basketball until four in the morning. And I would I would it was it was all I yeah, it was where I got confidence and I was very lucky in, in that way. And um yeah, no, I, I was really bad. I was so I was a very good I played so many different sports that I never really got good at one. That's how I like to look at it. And of all things, I got recruited to be a rower uh, in college. And uh, Harvard lo- saw that I was pretty fast. And I they looked at me and then they saw my grades and they were like, <laughs> no, <laughs> never. Uh, so, um, But that, then I left rowing because... Those guys were assholes. And um, I had a bunch of football player friends in college and they're like, you should come out for football. I'm like, okay. And that was was wonderful two years of my life. It really was. I love, I look back on it very fondly and I, I, it was so great. It was so fun. I got very lucky because I didn't break, you know, anything or break a knee open or anything like that. So I got, I came out unscathed uh, um, other than, you know, getting hit in the head all the time. But other than that, I'm, I can barely remember anything.
1: Well, it helps when you're 6'4 in college. I'm sure that goes a long way too. It does. <laughs> it does if you're then. That's the truth. And now, now let me ask you this. Jockey Joel McHale, how does he catch the acting bug while he's in college?
0: I caught the acting bug in second grade. That's the only thing I ever wanted to do was act and play sports. Uh I probably should have gone into professional wrestling. And uh so, yeah, that's all I ever wanted to do. And then I did a play in fifth grade. I did a play in seventh. I made a decision in seventh grade that this is what I was going to do with my life. I was like, this is the one for me, God. And I did plays throughout high school. And I probably should have never gone to regular college or probably because I knew what I wanted to do. And I was constantly involved in theater and, and comedy. And I did, a bit, I did a lot of improvising in Seattle, a lot of plays. And, um, you know, I got so. So. So I was, so I always had the buck. I, I, in fact, in college is when I was doing a lot of other things other than acting, because I was so focused on sports and, and screwing around. So uh, then I really focused and maybe got back into it. So uh, yeah, so it's one of these things where I'm going to do this until the bad acting police arrest me, (laughs) take me away.
1: Now you said that you were acting during in school. Were you doing musicals as well?
0: I did. Oh yeah, singing and dancing. Uh, I did. Yeah, I did a bunch in high school. Uh, I really enjoyed that. And I never thought it's funny. Like I never wanted to go to Broadway or anything like that. I didn't have that bug. I really just wanted to be on. I mean, like I want to be. I wanted to act on TV and uh, I and people are like, oh, how dare you! I but I you know I love Broadway and plays and stuff like that and I. Would do them now but um i don't know if they have me but uh yeah i musicals are really fun they're really fun to do I, and i haven't done one in years but i it's funny like when i would do them in high school and in college they'd be like you know you guys just do this as much as you can because you know when you get to the real world you're not gonna be able to you know especially in entertainment it's like this is not really gonna happen you're not gonna do a lot of these things and the first big gig that i got in uh la or the when i got this huge commercial uh for a super bowl commercial where i'm dancing the entire time and so that was uh really fun and i was like i'm doing the thing i took dance lessons for a while so uh, i'm not a good dancer but i can you show me the moves i can remember them and kind of pull it off somewhat
1: mm-hmm. i think you did a pretty good job i think it was maybe i think it was 10 years ago you did that emmy's opening with fallon and cory monteith like the born to run that was pretty awesome Good
0: memory. Sheesh. Uh, yeah, we were full on dancing. Um, and I totally fucked that dance up when we got on live stage. And I looked at Jane Lynch and she was like, I did too. And I'm like. Oh.
1: <laughs> now, let me ask you, you know, you mentioned the dyslexia earlier. And mm-hmm. you know, when you're embarking on the Hollywood career uh, with everything that you've had to deal with as far as that dyslexia goes, is it like always in the back of your mind when you're reading for these parts? Or how do you not let the moment get too big?
0: Oh, I uh, will for when I'm reading for a role, I, pr- I, I just memorize it. Uh, I, I became, especially, you know, my, uh, my memorization skills, they, they, for every actor go up when you're on a show where you're constantly memorizing 40 to 60 pages a week. Um, and so I got, I'm very, I'm pretty good at it, especially it's weird when the writing is good and flows like regular talking dialogue. Uh, it's so easy. So for me, it's easy to memorize. And so I usually just get off book. And, uh, so, uh, but when it came to teleprompter, woo, watch out, I didn't know what the fuck to do. Uh, so the soup we would take, you know, when the soup started back in 2005, uh, it would take me like three and a half hours, four hours to finally get through 22 minutes of dialogue, you know, 22 minutes of teleprompter. And I thought, oh, I, see, I didn't get, never was really diagnosed. So they just told, they literally told me I was a slow starter, which is not a scientific term. Uh, and so, yeah, then my sons got diagnosed with it. And I was like, hey, you're describing all my symptoms. Uh, like what I do. And they're like, yeah, well, we were, which we're, we're just trying to figure out what you, we knew it was one of you because that's how it's passed down. Uh, so it, here's, the th- it took me a long time. So I had a lot of anxiety. And so I would get really, I would, I would look at these scripts like freaking, t- like so much. I would practice them. So when I finally got on camera, I could figure out how to make sure that I like there's certain words to get through, but I would, you guys didn't see it very much, but I would fuck up the script all the time and I would just have to compensate by correcting myself. So, uh, I, there was some takes that i would just be so i got to the point where i'm like just let i'm just going to screw it up and let's just keep that uh but when it would come to the pressure of something like excuse me uh something like when i would host the when i hosted the espies that was like eight minutes of jokes and you know you're in there and my computer's dying uh you're in there and that's when i had to be i had to be like take your time don't you know, these words, you know, these jokes. And, uh, it's funny when I would screw up a joke, it became more endearing, uh, to the audience. They're like, Oh, look at him. (laughs) It's okay. Uh, so I, yeah, that's why I think the soup ended up working is because I, the, under the guise of keeping everything casual, it allowed me to screw up. That was a really long, Explanation.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, I think I very well said. Um, Now I know you're a Seattle kid through and through. Life obviously Mm. changes a lot after the soup. Are you comfortable with fame? Are you comfortable with the Hollywood lifestyle, or did it take some time to adjust to that? The
0: Hollywood lifestyle, yeah, (laughs) all the time. Uh, There is, there is. Why is my? uh, I, I, um, my, I hate my. Sometimes I love my Apple Watch, but sometimes I fucking hate the sounds
1: do you work for apple watch is that was that a plug right there that you did joel apple watch
0: brought to you by Squadcast.
1: uh (laughs) so
0: uh
1: what am i saying what was the question (laughs) so i was just asking you know being a seattle kid are you you know once the soup happens Uh obviously life changes and you comfortable with the fame
0: yeah i mean but my level of fame is not you know i've uh, i'm trying to think of like I've been around people that are insanely famous, and that is, they 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 can't really go out. Um, They can go out, but they're followed everywhere. It's bananas, and they need to have fences up around their home. So, uh, so I don't. I never experienced that level of fame. I. Definitely in Seattle. I mean, there was a time in Seattle, yes, I would be recognized a lot. It's not as much, you know, when you're on TV, you get recognized a lot. When you're not on TV, it's, it drops off quick. But now, like since I've been on The Masked Singer and a couple other shows, or like Tiger King alone, I was like, oh, that's what it feels like. So um, what am I saying? Um, no, but I, you know, like, I don't ever want to go back. I like it. And when I see his celebrities that are I mean, I understand some people are introverts and that that's, and when they talk about them, it's a bummer for them. I, I, I kind of understand, but if you're so, if you're recognized for something you do well, I mean, I'm too bad, I guess, but congrats. It's a, it's a a certain measure of what you're doing. Obviously, if you're a serial killer, it's a bad reason to be famous. But, um, but, so no, I, I, I don't, I don't mind it. I don't think about it. I don't, when I go out, I don't. It's not like like oh boy, I better make sure I look good and you know and all. I don't do any. Yeah, that that though that I I think people imagine that stuff and um yeah I don't know it's uh yeah so I I don't want everyone to go back yeah yeah and and I I, I like the I, when I hear people go like isn't it about who you know I'm like I'm like yeah every business is that way you end up knowing people in your business like lawyers know lawyers and surgeons know surgeons and actors and performers know each other so when people like you go to these hollywood parties i'm like with people that work in hollywood yes that's usually how it works uh yeah i don't go to the i don't know like uh like sailboat you know riggers on sailboats they have their own parties probably and everyone knows each other so anyway that's my long explanation again cheers
1: (laughs) cheers to that what are you drinking over there today joel Oh, we got some soda stream going. Look at that. Oh, okay. I raise you with uh, water in a nice Yeti, you know, real. Uh, yes, thank God yeah. That, thank God you have like a bulletproof cup
0: because you don't wouldn't want that thing to get punctured during the thing. You just never know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm more worried about the. Uh, I have you know, I live in a studio apartment. You don't have that much room for stuff. I have like a Keurig like right next to the laptop. A little more, a little nervous about that. But uh, the Yeti, yeah, nothing's getting a- through this thing very good problem to have (laughs) (laughs) now i do want to mention community obviously one of my favorite shows um you hinted recently that you'd be open to possibly doing a revival do you see that revival include including chevy chase
0: we did not hint at that at all that is a thing that the cast said they would do uh when we did that uh live read i don't know i um Chevy left the show pretty unceremoniously. So uh, and then, you know, we had people like Jonathan Banks and um, Paget Brewster and uh, Keith David uh, come in and really bring the house down. Uh, so I don't know. I don't, I don't I really don't know about that. But it was it, you know, it ended pretty crazily uh, with him. So I don't I, don't, I can't I, I would be surprised. Uh, but. Stranger things
1: you guys always seem to have a pretty good relationship though uh
0: yeah no we i mean he he's chevy is chevy and he is can be pretty tough on set and so uh you know we learn we all learn to work together uh but um you know he even said it in a thousand different articles that he didn't like the hours and he always said he couldn't memorize he said like i can't memorize the lines because they're not funny enough and Uh, He would say stuff like that. I mean, that's a joking thing he said, but um, he really didn't want to be there as far as time was concerned. So that did manifest itself on set.
1: Now, was it challenging in any way when you had to portray him in uh, a feudal and stupid gesture?
0: Well, it did help that I knew him and I called him in advance to warn him that I'm like, I'm going to play you in a movie. And, uh, but he was happy because it's about about the life of Doug Kenny, who is a, was a, a kind of like the Hamilton of comedy in the seventies where people didn't realize what he accomplished and then he died. And, uh, so he, uh, Chevy was very close with him and was very happy that he got his due. So I, you know, there's a big, so I memory, I memorized, you know, I memorized, but I watched endless hours of young Chevy chase and, uh, I mean, endless, and I—I I, I made sure that it was a young Chevy, and uh, and I'll say, like, he was really fun to play. He was the most confident person on the planet uh, in the '70s and '80s, and that's that's a fun sort of way to play a character and to be like, "I'm the king of the universe," and so that was really fun. And and I, I also mimicked his voice. I was like, he has a he has a surprisingly deep voice, and it. I had to kind of. Uh, I, I would scream in my trailer to lower my voice uh so it was all raspy so no, it was really fun to play and um it was really i mean david wayne is a great director so that was great and will forte was knocked out of the park and so yeah it was really fun it was a really fun movie to make i don't know if anybody saw it but uh but i it was a really fun movie to make
1: and I certainly enjoyed it. And I thought your portrayal of him was pretty spot on. It like captured that essence of like the Chevy Chase, uh, like Caddyshack era, like better than anything I've ever seen. Because that's that's a really challenging guy to try to capture. So my two cents, I really enjoyed that one. I had,
0: yes. People kept telling me they're like, don't fuck this up. <laughs>
1: Not to <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> now let me ask you, you know, you hinted earlier that you know you might be open to doing Broadway one day. Is there like a dream role that you'd either like to create or a role that you'd like to walk uh, into? Yeah
0: my fair lady probably maybe her no, uh,
1: no. <laughs> i don't
0: broadway's not going to have me uh, they, I, there are way the, the skill level that it takes and the development of that skill level is pretty a uh, difficult bar to to you know jump over uh, i would do a play there in a heartbeat i'd love to do that uh, no i would i would you know, it's one of those things like there's not a dream uh, you know, like I play Stanley Kowalski from *Streetcar Named Desire*. I, I would do that. Uh, no, but uh, but there's nothing. Boy, I'm trying to think of a role that would just. Oh, there was a play called *Fuddy Meers* um, way back when in the '90s that I think should be brought back. It was it. It was an entire play was with a made up language between these siblings that live that never got out, and it's all kind of English, and it's. Freaking hilarious! So I'll do that. Funny
1: mirrors. Nice. Now, uh, Joel, one thing that we do to wrap every show is a little segment called Fastball Derby. I'd like to Fastball get- Derby. Do it. All right. So I'm going to ask you a question. You say the first thing that comes to your head. Bananas. <laughs> All right. Let's, no. oh, that could actually be the answer to the first question, oh, which really? was favorite New York City meal. Was it bananas? Is that your answer? Ooh, favorite New
0: York City meal. Well, that's a very qualified because there's so many different meals. Um, I mean, there's so many different places. I mean, the, the, the different levels of uh, like favorite coffee and favorite pizza. I'll say like kind of favorite high end, like favorite steakhouse. I got to go to that uh, Coate, C O T E, I think it's a uh, Korean steakhouse. That was. Ooh. That was amazing. Uh, and then Upland is one of my favorite restaurants in, um, in New York, which is a guy from Upland, California, which is ironic because Upland is not necessarily the greatest. Uh, it's, it's not, it, it, they, it, they, it makes fun of itself. It's so ugly. And, um, I mean like Dominique Ansel's bakery going there for a croissant, not even for a cronut is one of my favorite things to do. Um, let's see boy. Uh, I don't let's, uh, uh, boy. Yeah. Okay. Well I'll say, uh, I'll say, I mean, I had great sushi there.
1: Yeah. Let's just go with Upland. Upland's great. Baseball question. Bonds and Clemens. Do you put them in the hall of fame?
0: Uh, Um, I don't know. I mean, if, it, there's so many guys that were you know doing stuff uh to enhance themselves um boy I'll need to think about that I mean hmm. yeah I mean I I don't know I, I, I Look, I think I think the Astros barely got a slap on the wrist for what they did. And then, you know, Pete Rose still can't get in the Hall of Fame and an entire team was cheating. And that the response that the fact that they weren't really punished at all was crazy. Uh, So, boy, hmm. I don't know. I'm going to have to really think. I never thought I guess, you know, my first instinct to say no. But then the other end is like, wow, everyone was doing it. And mostly, I mean, I guess, I guess Griffey wasn't.
1: And uh, so, yeah. Boy, yeah, okay, so now, <laughs> I like that you bring that up because, you know, I'm a, I'm a Yankee fan. Derek Jeter even said, you know, people like to say that it's a steroid era. Everyone was doing it. Everyone was not doing it. There were a lot of guys who went out there and did it the right way, like a Griffey, like a Jeter, or a Chipper Jones, yeah. you know, guys like that. But you know what? Yeah, I
0: mean, I you know what? Ultimately, yeah, then there shouldn't. They shouldn't. Everyone should be playing by the same rules. And I get that people are doing everything they can and they're in desperate situations, but a bunch of millionaires, uh, yeah. Cheating. Yeah. Probably shouldn't go. No, I I did steroids for certain acting jobs, so I should be banned.
1: (laughs) Oh, really? Which which role? Not Jeff Winger.
0: No, no. For Chevy, uh, Chevy Chase, I had to bulk up. So. (laughs) yeah no for spider-man too i had to really yeah so anyway um trying to think yeah anyway that was a good question thanks all-time favorite film okay that's gotta it's gotta be categories i can't just go well sorry comedy or sorry drama uh i can give you uh dr strange love is one of my favorites um back to the future is one of my favorites the Holy Grail is one of my favorites. Ah, uh, yeah, I love Do the Right Thing. All, right, uh, yeah, all over the map as far as like there's genres, and I think Green Room is one of the best movies ever made. Um, boy, there's
1: yeah, I there's oh man, um, but, yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot. <laughs> That's good. Between the restaurants and the films, he gave our audience a whole bunch of great options that they can check out. Yes. You know, some of, some of the, we could keep supporting the New York City restaurants because Joel gave you like ten, and he gave you ten films to watch. You know, during the pandemic, so that's pretty good.
0: <laughs> yeah, what? yeah. What I mean, you know, The Godfather is a masterpiece that I can't get enough of, and Requiem for a Dream is a crazy, wonderful movie. And um, I love The Thin Red Line. I think, uh, and I think, um, I guess. Uh, Full Metal Jacket is also in my top three. And one of the greatest endings to a movie of all time. Yeah.
1: How about this one? Most embarrassing onset moment. Ooh.
0: Um, oh yeah, in um in uh on community when I had to be naked playing pool and I had to lean over my Everyone is behind me. I'm wearing what's called a dance belt, which is basically just a thong. I've got a bunch of, I've got body makeup on, but everything is exposed. And my butthole is barely covered. And my balls are basically, and I had to lean over this table and then lift my leg up. And everybody saw that shit. So that, so it's like, I did it and I was happy to do it, but I'm like, Oh, this is the most exposed you have ever been on camera. So, but like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm trying to think of a time. I'm like, well, I shit my pants. And, uh, <laughs> that hasn't happened yet. I'm sure it's come if I get to do this later in, later in my life. So, um, i trying to think of an embarrassing. Yeah, that's probably it.
1: All right. You're on a desert Island. Which Broadway cast album are you taking with you? Desert Island has power? I will figure that uh maybe you have like one of those, maybe you have like a stereo that you know just has requires like triple A batteries or something like that. And you could bring the actual CD with you.
0: How many batteries am I have? Do I have?
1: Uh let's say you're gonna be there. Let's say you're gonna be there for well, quarantine's been like six months, seven months now. So uh let's say you're gonna be there for like, you know, half a year, you know, you're and you're gonna have 40 batteries, which will get you through that amount of did time. Did I was wreck or was, was, was some, was I, did someone put me there? What's going <laughs> on? You're not there by choice, but you want to make the most of it. So you really want to find like a good Broadway cast album that's going to keep your spirits up because you're pissed to be there.
0: I want to know who put me on this island and how many batteries I'm getting and how I'm going to eat and drink.
1: Well, Gillian Jacobs, let's say she put you there. Um, what you're going to eat. Oh, we're going to put me on a desert Island. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Brita certainly had a lot of power over Jeff and communities. So I think she's got some, something working there.
0: Uh, either, uh, the book of Mormon or
1: Hamilton. Proudest moment of your career.
0: Uh, that's hard. I mean, there's like moments where I'm like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe this is happening. Like, when I hosted the white house correspondence dinner or, um, the first time I, you know, was on Letterman or, you know, like I grew up, you know, and then Conan was all on in the nineties. So I watched Conan that was, you know, going on his show was very surreal. Uh, getting to do a bit like go, going on Kimmel and doing a bit with Matt Damon and being in a movie with Matt Damon, that was thrilling. Uh, so, and then, you know, like laughs on the soup, like certain times on the soup I'm like, that was a great joke that I got to tell on television. So that was super fun, but boy, there's not like this, like I got to do a movie with Robin Williams, which was wonderful. It wasn't a great movie, but, um, it was a really fun month and I got to hang out with him and that was just cool. Uh, I went being on Sesame street. That was a huge highlight. So yeah, I mean, there's been, I got, it's been, I got to have all these cool cool things and so I count myself as you know just incredibly blessed that I got to do them. so um, yeah that's like when I got to star in a movie I just I did I've done a couple like I did this movie called happily which was never has not been released that I'm very proud of and and uh, so hopefully that will come out you know and even with community I was like every I, I swear I would walk in and be like I cannot believe I'm in a show that's this good And that's me bragging about the show that I'm on, but I was like, this writing is fucking great. And I knew it was great while we were doing it. So yeah, it's a long answer again. There you go.
1: All right. Lastly, Joel, what's the best piece of advice anyone ever gave you?
0: Uh, I don't know. Uh, Fuck shit up. Uh, Yeah. Uh, No, I, I think it was learning how to... Uh, Just learning a work ethic And I learned that pretty much in football And uh, just uh, For me It's like and it's it's probably too American because I don't relax Uh, But it was just Like oh you need If you want to do anything You need to work hard (laughs) Sounds so dumb but I knew so many Actors that were better than me that didn't Put in the time and gave up and I think one of the reasons why I have continued to get jobs is because I am unrelenting. So uh, just work hard. That's because it's where you learn who you are and all that while you're in the valleys, while you're while you're work, where you're doing the work to get to the, you know, the top of the mountain. Thank you.
1: Uh, thank you, Joel. This was awesome. Uh, I hey, seriously. Um, no, no,
0: I'm saying no. No, thank <laughs> thanks uh, for
1: having Such me. a pleasure. All right, folks. Very much appreciate you listening tonight. Uh, this is Al Malafrante signing off for the Broadway Podcast Network. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Break a Bat. This is produced by the fine folks at the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit and subscribe at bpn.fm slash breakabat. You can find me online at break underscore a underscore bat underscore podcast and you can also find the broadway podcast network on instagram at broadway podcast network it's been so great having you here with us today and we'll see you next time